Yo, what is up guys? Welcome to today's episode of the Live, Train, Perform podcast. I'm your host, Sean Kober. During today's episode, it's going to be a 10 to 15 minute conversation where I reflect on significant events and circumstances in my life that have shaped the person that I am today. Now, I'm recording this on the 9th of October. When this drops, it'll be the 12th of October and the day after being Tuesday is a significant, it's the anniversary of a significant event in my life and that was my four-man sniper team being ambushed in Afghanistan. Uh, So it's crazy to think that that was, you know, coming up to 10 years ago that that event happened because um, those events and that circumstance and that whole day and everything leading up to it is still so fresh in my mind and I don't think it's something that will um, be leaving my memories very soon. So, Um, In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about a number of things that I faced, uh, including writing and revising my will for the third time by the time I was 25. Uh, I'm going to be talking about managing expectations and the conversation that our sniper team had before we went to Afghanistan. Um, I'm going to be talking about what happened the day that we landed at our combat outpost. I'll talk about a number of other factors that happened throughout that deployment and how that significantly impacted my life moving forward. So let's get started. I deployed in 2010, and it was the third time that I'd been deployed. I went to Iraq in 2007. I went to East Timor in 2008, 2009, and then deployed to Afghanistan 2010, 2011. And this was the third time that I'd written and revised my will by the time I was 25. Um, So this is something to ponder and this is something that I think is missed in these current generations is, you know, people just take life for granted and when you're 25 years old and you're writing and revising your will for the third time in your life, it sinks in that, you know, life can be taken away from you and you're being deployed to, you know, do a job. You're being deployed to bring stability to a country and provide protection and safety and security to the local populace. And, you know, to do that, you're heading into danger. You're putting yourself in harm's way. So um, this has always been, you know, a big point for me. It's a big part of my life, understanding that life can be taken so very quickly. And I've had numerous people... Um, you know, pass away, be killed in tragic circumstances. Um, You know, I've had some of my own mates take their own lives and things like that over the years and it never gets any easier. But this was something that we as soldiers had to confront. We had to understand that, you know, life is short and it could be taken away at any moment. So um, I just wanted to touch on that for a moment because When you start thinking about that, I know it's a morbid issue, but I think it's also powerful to understand that, you know, life can be taken away at any moment and sometimes you will be putting yourself in danger and in harm's way and, you know, to be grateful for the time that you do have and make the most of that time that you do have. Um, Luckily, nothing happened to me um, physically or mentally. I actually came out of that deployment uh, quite good and quite strong and a lot of those lessons that I learned on all of those deployments have carried me through the rest of my life and shaped the man that I am today so I'm grateful for all of those moments and I mean some of those moments fucking sucked um, but you know it is what it is and I can't change any of that the only thing that I can change 
is my perception and how I look at those circumstances and whether or not, you know, I become a victim of them or whether I learn from them, I grow from them and I appreciate the lessons that those circumstances provide. Now, that's the other thing. I want to talk about managing expectations. Uh, About three months before we went to Afghanistan, I've spoken about this on a previous podcast. I think it was episode uh, 11, the effect of your, uh, 13, the effect of your environment. But basically, before we went to Afghanistan, we went and did a uh, two-week, fairly intensive first aid training. And that training was really realistic. And it was, it was probably one of the best training um, packages that I did whilst I was in the army. Um, but what actually happened whilst we were doing that training was two of the combat engineers that were on the deployment before us were killed and the whole entire team came together on a slower day like they paused the exercise everyone came together and they discussed it and we're only a couple of months out from going to Afghanistan so um, once that conversation happened we were informed that those lads were killed then my four-man sniper team sat down and had a truthful conversation and we talked about you know the fact that we're going overseas, we're going to be doing a job and we knew that we were going to be going to a fucking dodgy area. So we managed our expectations. We talked about the fact that, you know, some of us might not be coming back or if we did come back, we might not be the same again. And that was an honest conversation that had to be had because that conversation then ensured that every action that we took, every training exercise that we undertook was to the best of our ability and we were always striving to perform better we're always striving for excellence we're always striving to improve our skills and our drills knowing that we're going into a dodgy area and shit's going to happen we needed to fucking be prepared we needed to be in a good mindset and in a good physical state to be able to carry out everything that we wanted to do at any point in time when the shit hit the fan Now, when we actually got into Afghanistan, the day that we landed at our combat outpost, which was Cop Marshall, we were in TK, which was the main base for a couple of days, kind of getting briefed up and um, getting the final stores issued and things like that. We got on a Chinook and we headed out to Cop Marshall. And when we landed, there was a fucking firefight. And the boys that were there before us, 6RAR, they rolled back in and one of the boys had been shot in the uh, body armor and like took off, you know, a couple of pieces of his kit and he had holes in his equipment and things like that, you know, and they were laughing about it and they're like, oh man, that was fucking close, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, holy shit. All right, what are we walking into? So that was the, that was the introduction that I got to that combat outpost. And, you know, that was a sobering moment because I was like, all right, well, this is obviously a dodgy area. We fucking heard that. We knew about that before we came over here. But now that we're here, this is what's actually happening. So for the next couple of weeks, we went out on partner patrol with those guys. They basically took us out um, and showed us the the lay of the land and they showed us the terrain. They showed us all the, you know, where the good people were and where the dodgy areas were. And they were basically like, if you go past this line here, it's fucking dodgy. You're going to be lit up. There's going to be people fighting you. So that gave us an understanding of what we were walking into. Uh, and then they actually got on the Chinook, they flew out, and the very next patrol that we went out on was a solo patrol, it was just our team, and uh, we got lit up, our fucking four-man sniper team got ambushed, Um, but before that, we'd actually had a, a lot of intelligence suggesting that 
there was 20 Pakistani Taliban who'd been um, moved into the area to take back some of the ground that had been taken. So the boys before us had done a really good job. They'd unfortunately lost a couple of lads on that trip, um, which again made it very real for us. Um, But we had this intelligence saying that there was 20 Pakistanis in the area. And the morning that we stepped off on the 13th of October, we actually confronted them. We seen these 20 Pakistani Taliban come out of the mosque as we were walking past it. And uh, I've got to say, that's a really strange feeling, knowing that these are the fucking dudes that we'd heard about. These are the dudes that we knew had been brought in to fight us, to take back control of that particular area. And, you know, we looked them in the eyes and we fucking shook their hand. Obviously, we, you know, searched them and we tried to find any incriminating evidence so that we could, you know, basically lock them up or take them back to our base for processing or whatever. But they know the fucking rules. They know what we can and can't do. They didn't have anything on them. So we literally fucking shook their hands, looked them in the eyes, and then went our separate ways knowing that we're going to be meeting up later on in the day. And that, fuck, I can't even put into words what that does to your head, what that does to your mindset, knowing that these dudes are there to fucking fight you and you're going to be meeting up later in the day and you've just looked them in the eyes. That is a fucking bizarre feeling. That is such a strange feeling. Anyway, that meeting occurred later on that day. Um, Our main team was conducting a search and my sniper team was conducting a satellite patrol so we were basically trying to interdict anyone that was trying to target them uh, trying to ambush them trying to lay IEDs and things like that and my four-man sniper team continued their patrol and we tried to interdict a number of people and you know we missed them at the time we started patrolling we ended up getting to a certain area and you know atmospherics deteriorated and Um, some dude comes out and starts gathering up his goats and taking them inside and calling his children things like that and you know atmospherics just went to shit basically everyone cleared out all the locals like got out of that area because they knew something was about to happen Um, and we were like right we need to get out of here we need to continue on with the task and as we were about to leave this was just my four-man sniper team so the main team was about 800 meters to a kilometer away at this stage so we didn't really have any support at the time Um, And just as we were about to leave, we saw this one random dude walking down the foot pad um, and we kind of pushed into a little bit of cover. We let him get a little bit closer and then I came out with my weapon shouldered pointing at him and told him to stop in Pashtun and he saw me and he turned around about to run. I already had one in the chamber, but I ended up cocking the weapon to let him know that, you know, the next one was going to be fucking pointed at him and he stopped i called him over he walked over he wouldn't get to us he wouldn't get past a certain point um because he knew that there was obviously something dodgy going on there um so anyway i walked over to him asked him what was happening um where the taliban was etc and all of a sudden my team leader goes oi pakistani talib talib and the guy goes oh and turns around and points in a different direction as soon as he did that the fucking world lit up um, you know, the rounds kicking off all around us. I hit the deck, um, packed up everything that I could. I uh, had my X-spray kit out to check him for explosives and things like that. And the fucking dirt was just kicking up all around us. Um, anyway, got up, r- sprinted, um, jumped over a small wall and then ended up turning around and, and, you know, lobbing fucking high explosive grenades because I couldn't see the enemy. They were well concealed. So, 
um, you know, obviously firing, uh, firing rounds at them. Yeah, I couldn't see what I couldn't, I couldn't fucking hit what I couldn't see, but I knew the direction they were in. I knew the area that, that they were in and I knew the vicinity that they were firing from. So I just started lob- lobbing high explosive grenades at them and, you know, that stopped the firing fairly quickly. But I looked over and my teammate was on his ass, um, firing single-handedly, trying to drag his tourniquet out. Uh, my man Rob, as we laid down covering fire, Tamps and I laid down cover fire, uh, Rob pushed over and put Seamus's tourniquet on. Once the firing died down, then I pushed over and uh, dragged Seamus in the cover and then started patching him up. By this stage, the main body had arrived and um, we got the medic onto Seamus and he started doing his thing, patching him up and I administered IV fluids and then we um, cleared an area to take him to for uh, helicopter evacuation. So as the main team rolled over and the medic came over to help us administer first aid, um, the rest of the team ended up pushing through and following up the fire and chasing down these Taliban and you know, getting into a firefight with them for an extended period. Um, whilst this was happening, we took Seamus to the LZ landing zone um, for casualty evacuation. The helicopter flew in, we put him on the helicopter, and then the rest of my f- sniper team, there was three of us left, myself, Tamps, and Rob, we ended up pushing up onto some high ground so that we could provide um, direct fires and battlefield commentary to the main team. And we were sitting there for about 20, 30 minutes observing, calling in information, uh, looking for targets, etc. And then Rob ended up pushing aside a little bit of dirt and he looked at us with his fucking eyes wide and he's like, holy fuck, boys, we are sitting on top of an IED. And we obviously didn't search that area because there were rounds still kicking off and we needed to get into a little bit of cover and that was the only cover that we had. So um, we basically ended up sitting on top of an IED for about... 20 to 30 minutes and uh, luckily enough it didn't go off and we're like all right well if it hasn't gone off yet we can't really move from here because this is the only cover that we've got so we ended up staying there and we sat on top of a fucking IED for about an hour Um, and again very grateful very lucky that that didn't go off but you know you can imagine the ramifications and the the things that occurred with our mindsets and things like that so um Once the firefight ended and the main team followed through and uh, hit a couple of dudes and ended up patching up a couple of dudes as well, um, we ended up pushing back to base and um, obviously that was my first big firefight that I'd been in and the adrenaline dump that had occurred was fucking massive and from there I was absolutely fatigued. I was so strung out and I was so fucking tired because that adrenaline dump had been so massive, that cortisol dump had been so huge that, you know, my body had to go back the other way and I ended up like sleeping for about four hours after that. Um which was obviously hard to get to sleep, but once I got to sleep it was like, you know, it was very unbroken but you know, that was something that I dealt with for the next couple of weeks, knowing that that was going to happen and knowing that, you know, every time we went out on patrol, we there was things that we could not control. There were things that were not within our powers. And, you know, the very next day I went out on patrol and we got shot at again. There was a burst of machine gun fire, right, went right between my mate and I. And, you know, it was, again, that was a fucking reminder that everything could end in an instant you know, we could be maimed, we could lose a leg, we could, you know, be shot, we could be killed. And that was a constant reminder that, 
you know, everything could be taken away and that we needed to do whatever we could to put ourselves in the right mindset and have ourselves physically prepared to be able to fucking undertake any actions that needed to be taken to take control of any situation. Now, I just want to finish off with a couple of points here because uh, that was the start of a nine-month trip. We're two weeks in. Now, I've spoken extensively about, you know, some of the ramifications for that and what actually happened during that that um, deployment. Again, episode 13, the effect of your environment. But when we were rotating out of Afghanistan, we went back to TK, which was uh, the main base, Tarankot. And once we were there, we had about five days to decompress and hand back all of our weapons and ammunition and um, all of our body armor and stores and everything like that back to the Q store ready for the next team that were rotating in um, but whilst we we're also in TK we had to do our medical so went and saw the medical doctor uh, went and saw the psychologist etc and I re- remember vividly walking into the psych's office and I was like g'day ma'am how you doing and she goes Corporal Cobra take a seat I know who you are, I know what you've done, I know that you've treated your mates, I know you've pulled the trigger, I know X, Y, Z, is there anything you know you want to talk about, is there anything you regret? And I looked at her and I sat with it for about 30 seconds. I said, yes ma'am, actually there is something I regret. I regret not pulling the trigger more. And she kind of looked at me, she took a couple of notes and then she goes, do you mind elaborating? I said, Absolutely. There was times where I had somebody's head in my crosshairs and, you know, couldn't identify a weapon, couldn't identify um, communications equipment, couldn't identify, you know, anything that was saying that they were a threat, that they were working against us. But my gut instinct told me that there was something about this person that was not quite right. And I trusted my gut instinct because... It got me out of the shit many, many times. But I gave a couple of examples. And one of those examples was I had this guy's head in my sight picture, in my crosshairs. And the reason I had him in my crosshairs was because we were in a clandestine position where we couldn't be observed um, out in the dash, in the desert. And we were observing what was happening as our main body was moving through the green zone. And there was a couple of guys that were on motorbikes that were kind of following them. They were on the outside of the green zone between the green zone and the desert and they were following our guys and they jump off their motorbikes. They kind of push into the green zone. They'd observe. We couldn't see what they were doing there, but I assumed that they had ICOMs where they were talking to, you know, the rest of the bad dudes in the area and then they come back out on their motorbikes. They drive another couple of hundred meters and then they do the same thing and they were doing this for, you know, extended periods of about 15, 20 minutes and we were like, oh man, If we could see these guys communicating, passing on this information, then we'll take their fucking head off. But unfortunately, that was not our rules of engagement. We couldn't positively identify that they were doing anything dodgy. We knew they were, but we couldn't positively identify that, unfortunately. And what actually happened was a couple of days later, one of our interpreters stood on an IED, which basically took his leg off and ended up killing him, unfortunately. And... You know, a couple of our other boys got hit with some shrapnel and stuff. And the guy whose head I had in my crosshair, he was the IED facilitator. He was the one that, you know, basically put that IED together and fucking planted it. So there was times like that where I was like, I wish I had have done that. But, 
you know, that's hindsight and I didn't have that information at the time. Um, but yeah. And there was a number of times that those types of circumstances happened where we had people in our sites and, you know, couldn't positively identify weapons or communications equipment or anything like that. But we just fucking knew that they were dodgy dudes. And again, you know, things would happen a couple of days later and then we'd get intelligence that the people that we'd seen, um, the people that we were observing were definitely involved in what was going on. And we could have prevented those attacks from happening. We could have prevented, you know, the deaths and loss of limbs and um, injuries and things like that that occurred to our allied forces, not only our mates, but the Afghanis that we were training, the Afghani soldiers we were training and the interpreters that were, you know, dedicating their lives to helping us try and bring uh, safety and security to the local population. So, Something to think about, guys, is that life is short and don't take everything for granted and do the best you can to live life to the fullest, train to your potential, and perform at your best. That's it for me today, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed today's session. I will see you all on Thursday for my 5-Minute Fitness Tips. Peace.